You are listening to the Into the Dust podcast, hosted by Joe Moore, presented by Belly Up Media. Joining today's episode, Patrick Gruska. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from No Credentials Required to talk to you about one of our newest partners at Belly Up Sports, SeatGeek. Yeah, live sports is great on television, but the feeling of being at the arena is a priceless experience. That's why our friends at SeatGeek are there to help you find the best tickets at the best prices. Not only can you get tickets to sporting events, we can also get tickets to concerts, comedy shows, musicals, and more. Search for your desired event now at SeatGeek.com, enter promo code BELLYUPSPORTS at checkout, and you save 20 bucks off your first purchase. SeatGeek. Life's an event. We have the tickets. So how are you doing today? Oh, good, good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, so we are a week and pretty much two weeks away from the Olympus rally. Yep. Um, it's an event you've never been to before. So what are your expectations heading into the event? Uh, I mean... Just being so early on in my career, it's going to be the same answer every single time. Just learning everything I, I can, as much as I can, especially with a new car coming into it. Um, I think the, the decision to escape out on Olympus every single year was due to the fact that when Art ran it, it was a much, much more dangerous event. And he just didn't want to put that risk on me. But now going into a season where we're really pushing for a title and, and stuff like that, especially in the RC2 class, it's, it's very important for us to make every event we can just for the points. So I'm excited to experience something new and and just see how it goes for myself, especially in a new environment. Um, I heard the roads are fantastic. Uh, You can't really compare them to anything else. I know there was a a lot of talks about it becoming a WRC event, so it has to be good. So I'm I'm excited just to experience it. Well, I mean, too, Olympus used to be a WRC event, and there were drivers from the WRC, such as Oliver Solberg, who wanted it to come back, but Obviously, it, that didn't happen because, or hasn't happened yet because um, Tennessee is the planned place. Yep. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, who knows really what's behind it all? I know it takes it takes really a lot to put on a WRC event. People don't realize how much it really takes. I think you have close to, well, I think on a, on a rough estimate, you have fifty thousand people maybe coming in. I mean, if you just think about the teams purely, um, from what I chatted to people, WRC teams. At a bare minimum for the tops, the top rally one cars, they have close to maybe three, four hundred personnel at a team. So, you know, just housing and, and accompanying something like that is, is really a daunting task. And not to mention the logistics behind it of flying all the cars in or shipping the parts in by containers. So it has to have seaport access and stuff like that. So it, there's a lot that goes into it and people don't realize how much how much work it really takes to bring one of these events to, to anywhere, really. And so you participated in the um, test event, which took place as time of this recording two days ago. Yeah. Um, yep. <laughs> um, what was that experience like for you? Uh, I, I have, well, I have mixed emotions about it right now. I don't know what to think of it. Um, but overall, I think it, it was really cool. It was an honor to experience it, potentially what can be a WRC event. So I'm, I'm really hopeful that it does happen. The town of Chattanooga is absolutely incredible. And I think an event there would be, would be stunning. I mean, uh, I, I came in on because I had meetings in Kentucky on on Monday and Tuesday, so I came in there Wednesday, Wednesday early morning at like two a.m. and I I got to see it from a dark, and then in the morning I went for a run. I ran through the town. I saw it was very gorgeous. You know, you have the river walk and everything, and lots of restaurants. It's very lively. So for an event like the WRC, it, it, I think it'd be one of the best spots to have it, just because of of how nice it is from an optics point of view. But at the same time, I think it's it's coming in very quickly. And there's a lot of things that have to be worked through in the organizational aspect of it. You know, props to them for putting it together so quickly. But I think um, this test that we have, they have to really take a, a, a step back and and good look at everything that happened. And, and nothing bad happened, absolutely. But it's just uh, organizationally, they have a lot of work to do. I think the massive positives that they took out of this is that they can securely or safely, let's put it that way, safely close a road and they have the volunteers to do it. So it's more than than possible to put it together. It's just a matter of now working everything out and and uh, putting it all together. So it, it was awesome. The The weather could have been a little better. It was raining for most of the weekend. So we got to experience what the, what the road is really like when it rains. Uh, it turns sort of into a clay where it's very, very slippery. So 
it's it's interesting but uh it was cool it was cool to see everyone there and and we had some familiar faces such as mr seamus burke uh we had dave wallingford there hooper was there with two of his cars um there's two drivers from mexico as well that came up from from wrc mexico to test it in uh Renault car or the Clio cars, I think the the R2s or Rally fours now as they call them. So I mean, it was it was cool to see it. We gave VIP ride-alongs and stuff like that. I mean, the road was I think eight miles long, but then we decided to shorten it a little bit for the ride-alongs. It was three four miles, and then for the main the main portion of, portion of the testing, it was close to six out of the eight miles. So just something nice and and simple to drive through. I mean. Uh, the characteristic of the road is very nice as well. It, it's it's hard packed, good gravel and stuff like that. Very fast sections of the road, but then at the same time, very twisty and technical. So it has a good mixture of both. Um, but just just organizationally, I think they have a lot of work to do to push this for an event in 24. I guess all we can really do is wait for the September event and see how it develops. Um. So what are your thoughts on the WRC coming, the potentially coming to the U.S. again? I think it'd be awesome. I mean, especially with the development of, of Formula One now having three races, I think it's a perfect opportunity to bring something like this. I know the manufacturers are really pushing to get a WRC event here, especially because they're it's such a big market and prominent market that it'd be, it'd be not so smart not to have an event here. You know, it's, it's a huge market for them, Toyota, Ford. Hyundai, all those guys really want to get in this. So so they have more promotional stuff behind it. I know that for a fact. Um, but I'm super excited. I mean, 35, 30, 35 years without a WRC event, and now the prospect of it coming, it's it's definitely really cool to see that happening. So if a WRC were, event were to come to America, would you attend it? Oh, of course I would. I mean, I think it'd be a, a sin not to come to an event like this. I mean, I, I've, I've always wanted to do a WRC event. I just don't think it's the right time in my career being so early on to just jump into the, the big ponds. I, I'm thinking about doing something maybe mid, mid-year mid for, for an ERC or some regional rally in Europe. But uh, the WRC is always the goal. I, I got the chance to talk with Sean Johnson earlier uh, in the week and, and uh, just chatting with him. I can see how happy he is to be there and how, how good the competition really is and how good you have to be. So I still have a lot of work to do, but hopefully uh, soon I can make one of them. Um, so you speak about like potentially doing a ERC event. So I kind of want to get into the prospect of what is your kind of rally dream? Oh man, my rally dream. I think, oh, there's a lot of them, but, uh, mainly just, just getting somewhere with it to, to be able to help sport the sport, help community and, and really put myself out there. So, so people can see maybe how good I can be. I was just was with the right work behind it and, and, and the commitment behind it. So, you know, at the end of the day, this, this sport's very lucrative. You never really know where your next ride's going to be and, and, and uh, the sponsor backing and stuff like that, you know, so uh, we'll have to see how I develop as a driver and, and how good I can be. And I'm really taking this season to, to develop myself as much as I can. So, so last year was your first year in a four-wheel drive car. What was it like making that swap? Um, I actually had the opportunity to drive that car when I was much younger before I started racing. So I sort of knew what it was going to be like. I just had to really switch gears from the limited to driving style into the open four driving style, which is a complete 180, 360, whatever you want to call it. But it's a massive jump from... A low power, maybe 100 horsepower limited two car and really maintaining your speed through the racing lines to something that's in essence a beast. You know, it has 350, 400 horsepower, arrow on it, much, much faster sequential gearboxes and stuff like that. Different diff settings, different setups. They really have to start learning from from ground zero. So for me, the, the shift didn't come as hard. But there's definitely things that I wish I would have done when I first started to sort of develop me a little more. And, and one of those things mainly would be more testing. I know I've done a, a lot of testing before every event and in between events just to pick up the base. But I, I think I really should have taken the time to do maybe you know, three rallies worth of driving before an event to, to get more seat time and really like exponentially grow my driving capabilities in a way. I think that would have would have boosted me a lot more. But Still, I'm not complaining at all. I mean, we had a fantastic season, um, a lot of learning, 
that we did, you know, uh, from the jump, you know, Snowdrift was a really surprise, really pleasant surprise for everyone on the team and, and myself as well, you know, just seeing how well I can maintain the car. I think a lot of people were expecting us to be so fast out of the gate. You know, I think they placed us 17th on the road and stuff like that. And then we caught up to a bunch of cars and then we jumped to like fifth or sixth on the road. So it was, it was cool to see that. Um, and then just from there, you know, we had an unfortunate mishap at uh, 100 Acre Wood, 100 Acre Wood where our engine blew up. So we had to retire from that a little earlier. Um, we skipped out on Olympus because... Uh, yeah olympus because we just didn't have parts for it and uh once again as is in art's opinion it's a very dangerous event so we just decided to opt out of it um but then yeah from there may we did oregon trail which we had a great finish in we had a lot of good battles with some of the top guys so i'm happy with how that turned out and, and just over the season how we progressed and got faster and faster i think it's very positive and and a good foreshadowing of what can be so it's just putting the work now and a lot of people forget that I'm only in my third season, so I, I still have to develop a lot of things and and polish down on driving and notes and all that fun stuff. That's mainly the reason I asked Mr. John Hall to to sit in with me for the WRC test. And now Washington, we're going to sit in together just to help really refine my notes and get them to where they should be. So um, pace notes are 99% of the, the work behind a driver. Well, nine, I think that's an overstatement. Maybe like 80% of, of driving is pace notes. It gives you the commitment that you really need to, to put down uh, some good times. So for you, like, what has been the most difficult thing to learn about rallying? Um, definitely the pace notes. The driving style itself has not, not been hard to, to learn and pick up on, mainly because I, I was around, around it for so long. I mean, I started driving ATVs or riding ATVs when I was three, four years old. That's why I have a messed up lip, if anyone notices. I went through a, a fence that was wired, and a wire went to cut my lip went through and cut my lip and then it went up to my eye and I had to get surgery for that. So, uh, you know, I, I've always been around the motors and stuff like that ever since I was young. I, I had a lot of experience carding as well. I was, I was never good at carding because I was so big. I was very tall and weighed a lot of, a, a lot of pounds. So I never could compete with the fastest people out there, but it was still very good for me to learn my racing line and stuff like that. And I had a lot of sim hours behind there too, probably close to, I don't know, maybe a thousand, 2000 hours on sims. I still race sims today. You know, it's it's great to learn the movements and stuff like that. But pace notes is something that's that's hard to learn. Everyone has their own style of pace notes. And recently, I just made the shift from one to six to one to nine, just to expand my horizons a little bit and make it a little easier on myself. And and learning the words to use in order to to really describe the road in such a way where you can go down it and in full speed and not make any mistakes is is very hard to do, especially with two passes and doing it for a whole day and not having any breaks in between. So it's, it's, it's the whole, uh, what's the best way to put it? It's the whole rally is won or lost based on your pace notes, in my opinion. So for you, you've used a lot of co-drivers throughout your career so far. Mm -hmm. um, this last year you've used forum. I'm going to butcher his last name. Um, <laughs> Baral. Yes. Um, how, how much has he helped you develop as a driver? I mean, every core driver that, that I've sat with, you know, starting from Alyssa, uh, Allison LaRosa and moving into Makissa Upton to Andrew Sims to Zach File, you know, all of them have helped develop my notes into what they are today. Without them, you know, I, I would not be the same driver. So I really appreciate that. And that's mainly the main reason why I jumped around from so many co-drivers from, from my first season, just to see... Uh, what different co-drivers bring to the table and all that fun stuff. And and they gave me a very good base to start from. And now it's just a matter of polishing up. Florian, Florian has done a lot for my notes from where I left off in the 21 season into the 22 season. He implemented a lot of different systems that they use in France and ERC, WRC and stuff like that just to help me, help me a lot in, in my confidence. So that's very great. You know, so I don't know if I share this like stuff behind my notes because I mean, a lot of people know this, how I, I do my distances and, and my different tightenings and stuff like that with my second numbers and, and stuff like that. It, it just brought, it truly brought a lot to my notes. And, and I really thank him for that. And, you know, now, now that I'm sitting with John Hall, I hope he brings in that, that fine refinement with all his years of experience to my notes so I can really be that much better of a driver. And a guy like John Hall has worked with Brandon Semenuk, 
reigning AA champion Brandon Seminuk. Obviously not last year because last year and this year Seminuk has used Keaton Williams. Right. But during Seminuk's time in the CRC and his first ARA season, he used yep. John Hall. So yep. there's some experience there in knowing the roads in the ARA and working with a top-level driver as well. Yeah, I mean, John. John's worked with a lot of top drivers, so he has all those different, different ideas and stuff like that. And even a small event like the WRC test, he's already implemented a lot of different things into my notes. So, you know, I really thank him for that, and I hope we can keep developing it as much as we can um, when we when we go to Washington and stuff like that. So, you know, we'll, we'll see because because there's a lot that can be done to your notes, but at the end of the day, if you don't understand what you're saying, it doesn't really do anything. So it has to make sense to you first and foremost. You know, everyone has their own way of wording things and using different modifier words, as I like to call it, just to describe that much better. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll see how everything develops and hoping for the best. So we've talked about, like, your rallying dream. What's your dream rally car to drive? Hmm. I think I'm in it. I'm in it right now, the I-20. It's a fantastic car. I love it. You know, so far, stepping from what we had that we developed in-house into something that's used at the top level, I mean, there's, it's hard to beat that, especially how easy. I, t I remember testing the Hyundai back in Poland during the 22 season just to see how it is and get that, that little taste of it and how, how the top drivers drive. Um, and it was absolutely incredible. I mean, we rented a track there in Poland, actually, uh, I forget what it's called, but it, it's it's fantastic track. Uh, they use it for rally cross stuff and and small little rally sprints in a way. I guess that's that's what they're called. And uh, we had some instructors there looking at, at how I was driving. They were shocked at the fact that uh, it was my second year driving, and and they saw me driving like that. You know, it was pretty cool to see. I think it's on Facebook somewhere the, the track name. So props to them for letting me use that track and and giving me some pointers and tips into how the car really works because it, it's it's a complex car, but at the same time much simpler than what we drove. There's there's a pass there, there isn't an active differential in the car. So I have to do a little more work in my, my throttle control just to maintain the car balance. So mainly that that's probably the hardest thing to learn out of it. But I mean, the I 20 has been a dream so far, so I can't complain at all. Um, so I know I've asked you this before, but how, like how easy was the switch for you? Like what made you decide to go with not the I 20 this season? Um, mainly because they're great rep, they're a great background in rally history, especially their success in the WRC. I think that that naturally made our shift towards that car. Um, and just just after testing it in Poland, it was a no brainer for me. And our chief engineer here uh, that works for us, he knows the car very well. He actually ran in the WRC with that car, and and Yari Hutunen, he he ran with him for quite a while. Uh, in that car so he knows the ins and outs of it and great setups for the car so the, the transition has been much easier than for most people what it would be without a great team behind it and, and really at the end of the day without a great team behind you and, and the support and knowledge of it it becomes really a journey and, and a hike up a, a Mount Everest to be honest with you you know having that support of someone that has the knowledge of the car just makes it so much more easier Um. so Um, what, how difficult was trying to learn, like have your first full actual rally on, on snow without studs? Oh man. Snowdrift is one of those rallies where you sort of have to just, uh, buckle down and hope for the best and not do anything stupid. Um, I remember the first time doing it in the limited two car, it was, it was very tough just to maintain that, that control. Cause there's, there's nothing you can really do on a sim or really in life to really prepare you for a rally that's really not impossible but close to impossible it's like it's very tough anyone that finishes snowdrift rally without any mishaps absolute respect to you and props because it takes a lot of self-control discipline and, and patience to finish that rally because you know the first day you have maybe 60 cars starting and then by day two you have 30 maybe you know so it's it's a very tough event without studs you know due to michigan laws it, it just makes it tenfold harder so anyone anyone that like i said anyone that finishes that event you have crazy crazy patience and and discipline and and really know how to drive the car because at the end of the day an event that that tough and that long it, it takes a lot to finish um so 
I think the biggest change this past area season has been the limiting of the open four-wheel drive cars to make them similar or closer to the RC2 cars. Okay. In, yeah, right. in your opinion, has has that changed much in terms of making the RC2 cars more competitive, or is it still the same kind of thing, just the open four-wheel drive cars are slower? Uh, it's, it's hard to say. I know... A lot of people have debated it and saw that the average speeds of the Subarus have seen this stayed the same from what it was last season. But um, Brandon's a fantastic driver, so he really knows how to drive that car. And he's been around the sport for, I think, a decade or more now. So he's really driven or sort of grown into the, the driving style of the car and knows it very well. But just talking purely rule changes, in my opinion, they're moving in the right direction, but there's still a lot to refine. Um the weight and the restrictor changes does do a lot. It should do a lot. But the fact, the purely the fact that the RC2 cars have a pop-off and the Subarus have uh, a boost sensor really makes it a challenge to, to level the cars out. Because when our pop-off blows, you know, we have no boost at all and we have to build that all back up. While the Subarus, no matter, no matter what's going on, they always have that same amount of boost. So... You know, uh, something like, like Missouri is very hard to compare because it's such a f- fast rally with not a lot of corners to, to really justify um, how close the cars really are. But I think Olympus would be a good good tell and foreshadowing to see how close the cars really are because it's such a twisty and and turn-packed rally. So I think tractionally, the, the RC2 cars are very, very good. And with the lower weight, they can be very competitive in an event like this. I guess time will tell, really, um, after after this event coming up, how how close they are. Because you know, snowdrift is hard to compare to anything because it's such a like a scratch rally. It's mainly for points. Anyone that makes it can get really good points for it. Um, Missouri is such a fast rally, and Olympus is the first one where it's where it's twisty and turny and stuff like that. So, I guess after this rally, we'll see how how it really goes. Um. So for you, I know you've talked before about the RC2 championship, where would you optimally like to finish the ARA national season? Because currently you sit second. Um, mm-hmm. So is that kind of the objective for you or where is the objective in the national standings? I mean, ideally in RC2, it would definitely be a championship. That'd be really cool to have just another, another title. Um, after winning the limited two-wheel drive regional championship, just just getting that that little step up into the RC2 championship, that'd be really cool. As for the national championship, just overall, um, anything in the top five is a good finish. Maybe top three would be awesome. I think that's a that's a stretch, but with so many good competitors out there, especially, um, yeah, I, I don't have many expectations. Just going back to the fact that I have three seasons under my belt, well, two going on to my third, so. You know, a lot of people set a lot of high expectations, but at the end of the day, I'm here to learn and, and polish my my driving, and, and hopefully in the future, maybe two, three years, I'll be able to compete for the top spot. Um, so in terms of, like, the RC2 championship, who are your biggest competitors, in your opinion? Oh, Tom Williams and Kyle Tilley, of course. They're, Tom comes from a, a massive rate rally uh background stemming to to europe and the british championship and stuff like that he competed in junior wrc for a number of years so he's definitely one of the top drivers out there uh, in, in rc2 right now and kyle especially has, has picked it up a lot and uh it's it's cool that he's in a hyundai as well it's cool to see two cars similar to each other out here um and alan Dubasu has really picked up uh, a lot of pace especially last season and, and this season uh we didn't get to see him much this season yet but uh, hopefully he comes out to olympus or something similar just to see how, how we stack up against each other. And, and it's cool to see all these competitors coming down with cars, and we hope to see many more of them. And, and yeah, I think Tom and Kyle are, are very, very good competitors to compete against them. So we'll, we'll see how just we stack up to them. I, I had, um, after 100 Acre, I had talked to uh, Dabasu about his plans for the rest of the year. I do know them. I just don't know if he wants them publicly said. So I'm going to refrain from saying them publicly. Because I, I do not want him coming down my throat. <laughs> yeah, I, I had an opportunity to chat with him as well. I've, I know he's focusing a little bit on doing both uh, the BRC and ARA. So we'll see what he really end up, ends up running down here. 
Um, I hope he does as many as he can. I, I love having more competitors in the class and just seeing how we all stack up against each other and how the cars do. Uh, so it'd be really cool to see him come back. Uh, hopefully soon. Alan, if you're listening, I hope you come back. I, 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 what I will say about what he told me is that he does want to, um, to run some, to run a lot of events in Europe, like Estonia, Latvia, those kind of places. Yep. Yep. So as far as when he's going to be returning to America, that's not for sure yet because he doesn't even know what rally he's going to be running across the world yet. So, Right. I think um, in America, it takes a much bigger budget to run a whole season here. So running a season in Europe will probably probably be more cost efficient, in my opinion, because there's so many more of the cars and so many teams that handle arrive and drive programs. So it's cool to see that. Um, and it makes it a lot easier and so many more rallies going on in, in across all of all of Europe, Eastern Europe, Western Europe. You know, you have a rally practically every weekend. So, And, too, he also has one of the nicest Rally 2 Fiestas um, at this point. He has a 2023 model. I know he didn't use it for um, 100 Acre because it was still in Europe. Right. Um, but I would definitely like to see that one come over and just see how quick it actually is. Yeah, I mean, the cars year to year get a lot of different updates and packages to, to bring up the, the development of the cars. So it's, it's really cool to see. I'm running a 2019 spec Hyundai R5. Um, but hopefully soon, uh, we invested a lot of money into this car right now. So we just wanted to keep developing on it. It's, it's a very, very good RC2 starter car because the Evo 3 Hyundais are, are very tough and strong and, and have been developed fully for that package. So for me, it's a great starting point, you know. The parts are, are a little bit more cost effective than the new brand new Rally 2 car. So I'm happy happy to have a car like this here in the States and having it fare so well against uh, Tom's RC2 car. Uh, his I think he runs a 22 or 23 Rally 2 car. I know it's one of the newer ones. So just to see how well it stacks up against a car that's that's practically the newest gen, it's, it's really cool to see it. And, and the Missouri was a great tell for that. Um, the first day we, we on the fast section, the fast stuff, we were really close to him battling for honestly seconds and then day two we had a problem with intercoms they died on us and then the power stage we had a problem problem with a sensor on the the gearbox so it was hard to say and unfortunately tom's uh turbo went out as well so that was a bummer i wish we really could fight it out to the end and see how we really do against each other um but i'm happy that i can even stack up against a competitor like tom right now and so early on in my career and you know it's, it's awesome to see the battles so i mean with washington being such a tight and twisty and technical event i'll really have to pick it up a notch just to keep up with him so you know it's, it's a great great dialing point to see where where i should be and how much the cars can really do so you know i'm happy he's here um yeah and and to answer the or to go off what you said tom's car is a 22 model um it's run by barry mckenna okay um, yeah right right <laughs> that that i looked a lot into in that sort of aspect because yeah that that's part of the media side of this all is making sure you actually know what people are driving. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I should probably know as a competitor as well, you know. <laughs> Mind you, as a competitor, it's not as necessarily important as long as you just know the baseball and what they're driving. For me, it's like it, it would be a bit hilarious if I wrote an article, Tom Williams 2020 Fiesta or whatever, when it's a 2022, and it clearly states on the entry lease or the entry sheet that I get. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I read a lot of those. Um, speaking of entry sheets, I seen you finally registered for uh, Oregon trail. Oh uh, yeah. I, I sort of just did that as we were talking, just because I see the spots filling up so quickly. I just want to make sure I have a spot, but uh, right now uh, Oregon is really up, up in the air for us. I really want to make it, but we'll see how it works out with, with different timing and scheduling issues. Um, I'm hoping to make more time for that. Uh, but a lot of our crew have have family obligations back in Europe, so stuff like that will will definitely bring us back a little bit. But we'll see what we can come up with, and hopefully, we can swing that. I, I know, like in terms of Oregon, it's I, I can't speak bad upon it because I am friends with a lot of the organizers from Oregon. Um, <laughs> that, Oregon's that a great is, event. It is really a nice event. It, it's it's hard to say it's one of my favorites because that spot is held solemnly by a. Uh, hundred acre but um 
it is definitely a great event and ran by some great people as well. Um, yeah, I, I think it's awesome that we start at PIR, the Portland International Raceway. I think that's really cool for the fans. I always had a blast in meeting all the people that come through there. And then moving to the two different locations, yeah, it's a hassle for the crew. But at the same time, the locations are beautiful and the roads are super fun and fast and the jump is awesome. So it's, it's awesome events in, in one of my top five and probably in my top five. Um, Oregon has always been one of my, like, in terms of photography, it's been one of my favorites besides, uh, what was that event? <laughs> I, I'm forgetting event names. Um, anyways, it's not important. Um, it was one of the later events last season. I forget which one. LSPR, um, STPR, Minnesota, no, Ojibwe. I think it was Ojibwe. Yeah, Ojibwe with the the river crossing where the the car accidentally went into like that that place was really cool for photos as well. You know, they they have really a great road to it, and Ojibwe is one of those events that's really fun as well because it's it's such a maybe not technical race but a fast race when you really don't realize it because the trees are so close to the road, but it's it's super cool. Yeah, and it I I just remember seeing those photos of um, the car in the water. I remember. There was somebody I know who got, I think it was actually the crew from that car, um, after Ken's passing, did get its, I believe, signed photos from Yeah, yeah I saw that. That was super cool to see as well. I, I think the story behind that is that Ken thought it was such an influential, influential, sorry, part of the photo where the, the car was in the background of the lake and Ken passing through there. So props to them. It was really cool to see them send a signed autographed copy of that, you know, after such a, such a, bad thing going on you know something to cheer you up a little bit yeah um and speaking of ken like did you ever did you ever have a chance to meet ken yeah of course i mean um we we were always close by to each other we we shared the same catering service for food and stuff like that event so i did get to to sometimes chat with ken i, I chatted with alex as well and I remember, I think one of the, the biggest things that we chatted about, or, or one of the things that I asked him at, after after an event was, you know, what, what made him choose the, the Hyundai i20 WRC car and, and what is his plan for next season? And I remember saying that, that you know, he's just it was always his, his dream to drive a world car in a, in a championship. So that's why he brought the car down. And his plan for the next season was to run a rally to Hyundai and stuff like that. And I was super excited because I knew we were bringing down a, a Hyundai as well, so it was cool to see more of the cars coming down and and him driving in the same car as me. So it, it would have been well, he would have had a newer model of it compared to me, but it was still super awesome to see that. And I can sort of try to gauge myself to to how good Ken was and how much the cars can really do. And it, it was really sad. I mean, I remember I was in I was actually in France with Florian at the time when for New Year's when when he passed away, and it was just absolutely devastating. I think I, I was sick after the flight and I was sleeping a lot. And then I woke up to my phone blowing up and texts and stuff like that. Actually, my mom was the first person to tell me and I was just absolutely devastated. Um, and, and people somehow knew that I was in Europe because uh, I was planning a trip to Poland as well after my trip in France, just to see some family with uh, with my girlfriend and stuff like that. Um, and a bunch of reporters from Poland found out somehow. I have no clue how and started reaching out to me and asking if I knew more about it. And I just I didn't know anything, to, let alone knew that he passed away. So it was... It's really stunning to me and, and, and heartbreaking to see that happen. And, and like, I know we talked about this pre-show, but Ken was was one of the people that got me into rally. Well, he's the only reason I'm in rally <laughs> at this point. Um, because without him, I wouldn't know what the sport is, and I would still probably be writing hockey stuff and yeah. being unhappy doing that. So, um, a lot... This season has definitely been difficult and confusing in a way because like even just at 100 acre i think for me 100 acre was kind of that point that like everything kind of made sense mm -hmm. about it because he was finally off like it, it said in that he wasn't going to be here this season and with his number being retired that was also a huge thing as well yeah i i I, uh, I, where do I even begin? I, I think it's, you know, my, it's still my condolences go out to the family for block and, and everyone there, you know, it's definitely devastating to see that happening and, and what happened, you know, and I think it's awesome that, that the ARA really took the time to retire the number 43 and allow the use for, for his daughter and, and his wife to use it at the end of the day. I think that's how it should be, you know, 
Um, but yeah, just going back to, to Ken's influence. I mean, I remember when I was a kid watching the Jim Connor series, you know, I think my favorite livery ever was the one in San, the, the drip one on the Fiesta that I would always, I actually, I bought a pair of 43 DC shoes that was based on the, the drip pattern. I wore those things until they were falling apart and they were my favorite shoes ever, you know? I, like, for me, I think this season, and I said this after 100 Acre as well, 100 Acre wasn't about who won, who lost. It wasn't about the championship. It was Tonner, Ken. Yeah, of course. I mean, it was Ken's favorite event. He's, he's won 100 Acre the most amount of times, you know, so so it's definitely his event. I think he he really owns that one. And and for them to do it at 100 Acre Wood, I think it was a perfect fitting uh like for a fitting thing for that event so I, I i think it was awesome i didn't get a chance to to go out to the ceremony that happened there but i got to watch videos after it and it was really beautiful i i still don't even watch that live stream yet but i i remember because i there was an article that i was going to write pre 100 acre about ken's time multiple times winning the event and then somebody had dm me on facebook i'm not going to say their name because this was something they weren't supposed to share. Um, well, they didn't really share it. I kind of picked it up. But that something was going to be happening at at the thing. They didn't directly say it, but they did point to the article I did about the WRC retiring number. Mm-hmm. So then I knew that's what was happening. And then I reached out to another one of my friends within the community, and he confirmed that. So that was a... And that was something that I knew was going to happen. I was waiting for it to happen. I was actually surprised when it didn't happen. Snowdrift, but I do think they did the right thing there. Yeah, of course. I think it, it couldn't have been couldn't have been a better time than Hundred Acre Wood. And, and two, it's also it was also nice to see his family there to honor him, and even guys like Brian Scotto, um, Ron, and those guys as well there to honor him and be yeah, part of them. you know at, at the end of the at the end of the day the hoonigan family is really large you know so seeing all those guys there was was really awesome and seeing how how much it meant to them for for the retirement of the number you know so it was cool to see and like because i remember the only part that i didn't like about that entire thing was the fact that travis couldn't be there yeah, you know, it's tough. I, I don't really know the whole story behind it. I, I couldn't make it either. So, I you know, it, it sucks. I wish I would have. But just time-wise, it was so tough for us. Our house, was, our house that we were staying at for that event was roughly two hours away, and we still had notes to go over. So um, it was a bummer that I missed it. But at the end of the day, everyone has different obligations, so it's hard to sort of point fingers that, that they couldn't make it. But, uh, you know, it, I'm, I'm sure, you know, Travis and Ken were really close as well. So I'm, I'm sure they... they that he uh, did what he had to do. So, uh, well, I mean, Travis was attending Nitro Rallycross, the final right. three rounds of Nitro, okay. um, and he did actually win, I believe, the first round, which took place the night after that happened. That's yeah, I, I think happened. Tra- Travis also had a livery to sort of uh, pay respect yeah. to, to Ken as well, so that was really cool. Yeah, which there was that made me happy to see that livery like to see Travis win in that livery because that I know I know Ken meant a lot to him. Even like I know there's a huge backstory behind Ken's car, first rally car, because the f- car Ken first used, the one that Subaru brought to Hundred Acre mm-hmm. was also the first car Pastrana rallied in. Oh, I didn't know that actually. That's <laughs> yeah. pretty cool. That that's the only reason they own it is because when Ken was selling it, because Ken had that car, then he sold it, and Vermont Sports Car bought it because it was the first car Pastrana used. Uh, yeah, it's really it's a car that belongs in a museum now. You know, I think uh, it's really cool that Vermont picked that car up and owns it again. So you know, hopefully they some they do some great things with it. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see we'll see what they end up doing with it. I mean, um, I remember like. I remember, I think it was last month, there was somebody who owns Ken's RX-43. I actually, funny, funny you say that, I was going to bring that up as well, because I saw videos of it on YouTube, and I think that's really cool as well. He brought it to UK's 
auto show, I think, or something like that. It was cool to see someone that owns the car and, and still willing to bring it out to, to show people it. And he left it in the same livery as well. So that, that's awesome. And I remember there was also, I remember, I believe it was the same person. Um, they posted a video of them taking it on a rallycross track. I yeah, remember yeah. that got a lot of flack from people. I, well, I, I think what happened, that, that was posted before Ken passed away. That was when, right when he bought it, I think. And then, you know, at the end of the day, it is his car. So nobody can really justify what what they can what they do with the car. I mean, he owns the car and he he has every right to drive it as much as he wants. To be quite frankly honest with you, I think it would be awesome for him to actually drive it as much as he can and enjoy the car. You know, it was, it was a car that was really, really in like it, it was something that was driven by a legend. You know, so I think it would be a sin to just let it let it sit in a in a in a museum and and not be used and shown the world shown to the world how great of a car it was and what it was the great things that it really did you know so props to him for for not being afraid to use the car i mean a lot of people would buy a car and just be scared to use it and i think i think the biggest sin in the world is letting a car sit in the museum because i understand some historical classic pieces but at the end of the day we're all human and, and cars were made to to serve a purpose and for it to sit and just sort of maybe not rust away but gather dust in a museum and stuff like that it, it's it hurts me to see you know so I love the fact that he's he's using it and 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 enjoying it to its fullest capability. And, and to I, I don't think I don't I never talked to Ken, so I don't know if this would be hundred percent true. But I don't think Ken would just want a car like that to sit. I I mean it's hard. For, I was already always very intimidated to talk to Ken because he's such a prominent figure in the motorsports community. I was always afraid to ask him questions, but I think. I would agree with that. I think Ken would want him to enjoy the car as much as he can, absolutely send it and and really honor him through through some great things with that car. Yeah, because it's like you I don't think and I think this goes for any of Ken's cars. I don't think he won't want any of them to sit there and collect us. I think there are gonna be a few of them that nobody ever drives again or drives on rare occasions. And I think one of those is gonna be like a metaphor. Um yeah. but you know like it's not that Leah can't drive the unicorn; she's done it before. But I, I just don't foresee it happening in a big way unless Hoonigan continue the continues the unicorn versus the world thing. I think they absolutely should should do it. I mean, Leah's the perfect person to sort of take over the legacy, and she's a fantastic driver. I mean, we've seen how much she's developed over the years, and I I'm lucky enough to see uh, see her at testing. I get to see her at testing in Washington. I got to see her at testing in 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 Oregon and Lucy as well. So, I mean, they're fantastic drivers. The whole family is very, very uh, talented and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I hope, I really hope that, that she does pick it up and, and continues it and, and continues to, to pay homage and, and, well, not pay homage, but continue the legacy of Ken to, to really display what it's all about. And, the, and I think too, Leah kind of has, I, I'm not sure about this. Like, I'm not 100% certain, but I do think she wants to win a championship at some point in her career. To, And I think when she does, it won't be 100% for her. It'll be for Ken as well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, everyone's father figure is a very, very prominent person in, in one's life, you know, especially, you know, I look up to my dad in every step of the way when I when I do racing and stuff like that. So I, I really hope she does, does do it for Ken, and especially... I was really rooting for Ken last season to to win the championship, you know, especially driving for so long in in the sport and not being able to to accomplish something that he's always wanted to, uh, especially coming so close last season with with it all coming down to LSPR and just the weather conditions caught caught him out, it caught me out as well. You know, I, I broke my hand, so you know it's it very tough conditions and stuff like that. But you know, I, I really hope that she can do she pick it up, she can pick it up and and do it for him. And like. I almost wonder in Subaru after Ken's passing if there was kind of a moment and especially for Brandon as well where it was like maybe I should have let Ken win. Oh, I, well, that's I, I think I think that's that's sort of tough to say because you know everyone everyone wants to win, you know, that's what we're all here for, you know, you're we're all competing for the same thing at the end of the day. So, you know, to just sort of let up and and let someone win, I don't think that'd be very fair to commu- to the to like I think I'd be cheating the sport, you know. So, 
they they battled it out throughout throughout the entire season. I know there was ups and there was downs for both of the drivers. I saw it firsthand when I was starting behind each and every one of them where Brandon went off, Travis went off, you know, Ken went off. So it, it was definitely, you know, a, a tough battle for everyone. So, you know, whoever won that championship, they really deserved it and, and proved to, to the world that he was he was supposed to do it, you know. There's there's no denying that, you know. In rally, it's it's everyone has the same two, three minute intervals, same minute interval between each other. They have the same opportunities on the road to to send it just as hard as the per- person in front of them. So, you know, so it's it's massive. I, I, yep. I think for me, like the thing is, is it's like the thing I will forever say about last season is a deer cost can the championship. Uh, I th- I think it's a lot of things that came into to play for what happened. I think the deer definitely had something to do. I mean, Ken was leading Henry Acorwood, and on the last stage, he managed to hit a well, a deer managed to hit him, <laughs> put it that way. And then at Maine, they had the mishap with the dust, you know, not increasing dust windows, and he had problems with intercoms, and you know. But rally at the end of the day, it, it encompasses all of that, and that's what makes the sport so beautiful. That there's so many different things that go into a into such an event, such as you know. The possibility of of a deer, sorry, excuse me, a deer hitting your car or or something failing in the car, causing you to have to slow down and stuff like that. But everyone, everyone has the same amount of time to prepare a car. You know, everyone has the same amount of of you know reprep between every event and and the same opportunities at a service. You know, you know, so there's a lot of different factors. So it's hard to say that Ken lost it because of this or Ken lost it because of that. You know, it's a culmination of everything coming together and and what really happened but you know what what someone can't deny is the fact that they really battled it out and it, it was really a great season for the ARA and rally as a whole in the U.S. to see such great competition coming together and, and competing you know and not everyone knew it would be for the it would be for the last time so it was something great to witness and I think it's an honor and privilege for me just to see it from from as a competitor's a competitor's standpoint behind them watching it all unfold so you know it was an honor and 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 in four or five weeks time I get to interview Subaru's motorsports director and I do want to question about like just how what happened behind the scenes with like the Seminux championship because there were moments where they did change aspects of the car and they did and I do think there was a lot of intensity as well behind that because you you want to win and you want to give your driver the best chance to win so I do think there was a lot of a lot of, I I don't know if panic's the correct word, but I do believe there was a lot of different thoughts going around and and different possibilities, I guess would be. Yeah, I mean, going, I think Dan would be the perfect person to talk to. I mean, he's, he's the head, one of the head people at, at Subaru Motorsports, and he can really give you an insight of how things really look behind the scenes, especially at such a, such a high competitive standpoint and how much work really goes into it, the grunt and sweat and tears that, that goes behind and every crew member having to sacrifice a lot of time to be there and, and, and for them to really have to, you know, develop a car that, that is really one of the top performers in the, in, in the championship. And I think Subaru for your, for many years has had a really great developed car. So, you know, it, it, it's awesome. Yeah. And it was like last year, it was, it was fun to see um, somebody, for the first time in like a decade, well, pretty much other than McKenna who won a shortened season, bring something that can compete fully to high or fully to Subaru's um, car. Yeah, I mean, like even even Barry bringing down the first world car from from Europe, uh, being Fiesta, that was really cool to see. For the first time in history, we had a WR or a modern w- WRC car in the States. So, you know, it's, it takes a massive amount of time and, and a, a big budget behind it as well to bring a car like that. So it was really cool to see that. And and for Barry being the first person, he's a fantastic driver as well. I got to, to see him compete as well at, at 100 Acrewood. Um, and, and many other occasions, I watched uh, some of his onboards and stuff like that. And he's a great driver as well. So I, I would love to see Barry come back and put up a fight with Subaru once again, you know, to... to really show what he's capable of and, and do, do a great job, really. I mean, just as he did that in 2020. And I think if there's anybody who can bring that fight to Subaru, it is, it 100% is McKenna right now. Um, yeah, I think, I think so, yeah. 
Like, I do know, I don't know if there's still the plan in place for Tilly to custom build a Toyota Yaris uh, open four-wheel drive car. I don't know if he's still going for that or if that'll be for next year, if that's just been scrapped as a whole. But um, I am definitely interested to see what can happen with that. Yeah, it'd be cool to see that as well. I, I have no clue what's going on behind the scenes back there, but I'm sure they're making something great. I, I'm sure they won't have much of an issue building something that can compete at, at a high level and can do good um, at that level. And I I also would like to see kind of just where where that would go um, as well because I at this point it is a bit late for for him to win the championship, but I mean, I mean, I mean, this the season's still very, very long, you know. So, I think the only thing that he would miss out on is the RC two championship. But if he wants to go for the overall, he still has plenty of time. I mean, I think it's six or five events that count towards the championship. So we still have how many? We have Olympus, Oregon, Southern Ohio, New England, Ojibwe, and Lake Superior. So that's still six events that he can absolutely take it away. You know, like he he could still win, but it's. It's also, like I said, it's him getting the car necessary to do that. Because right now, his Hyundai probably isn't going to win the event. Or win an event. Unless Semnuk crashes out. Which is possible. I mean, anything is possible. This is a rally. But it probably won't happen. Ah, uh, you know, never say never. I guess we'll see. I mean, I hate saying that, but it there's there's a strong chance it happens because just purely um purely because of the way rally works and it goes Semnuk doesn't have to this year 100% push up full throttle I know that's not great to say but he really 1000% doesn't um uh, I, yeah, like I said, I don't know. I, I don't know what their game plan is behind the car. I know they're probably going to want to still R&D the car, so Brandon will have to push or, or they're going to do a lot of testing or something. So, you know, I'm sure it's not in Brandon's mind that, oh, it's there's no competition. I don't have to push. You know, at the end of the day, it's, it's rally, so you always have to be focused and stay on top of it. And sometimes when a driver has to let off and drive at 25%, it's more dangerous than driving at 100%. So, you know, it's it's hard for hard for me to say what, what their game plan is, but hopefully... Um, you know, we'll see how things develop over the season and, and how much faster I get and how much faster, you know, Tom gets and how much faster everyone gets to see how, how we stack up to Brandon. Um, so I know when we were talking about Ken earlier, you mentioned your father. How how much of an influence and and help has he been for your rally career so far? Oh, massive influence and help. I mean, I look up to him every way I, every way. I can in the sport, you know, he's had so many years of experience. He actually started racing around the time that Travis and Ken actually started racing. So he's been around the sport for quite a long time. In 2017, he picked up the the Rally America National Championship in America in the car that I actually ran last year. So, uh, you know, from I, I remember ever since I was a kid, I was coming to all these events and thinking, oh, yeah, one day I want to do this. I actually there was one point where we were going to build a Volkswagen Polo uh, rally car. And I'd have dreams about that car. I, that was one of my favorite WRC cars in the world, you know. Um, that car is beautiful. It, it won championships for, for years and years, you know, so it was really cool. And uh, I just, in the middle of the night, I have dreams of running on a stage in that car. So <laughs> it's funny to say, but uh, yeah, you know. So, I mean, any way that I can before, he's ran all these events, so he knows what they're about. So I ask him about the road texture and things that I should look out for on recce, or sometimes he looks at my notes and gives me some some input or, or things to my driving style or car setups and stuff like that. So he's definitely had a huge influence and he really supports me. My whole family really supports me for what I'm doing right now. So a you know, massive thank you to my mom, my sister, and everyone that comes out to the events and, and my crew who, who backs me every step of the way. It's a big commitment to, to do so. You know, I mean, even the WRC test this weekend took them away from Easter. So, you know, massive thank you to all, to all of them for, for even committing to something like that. Um, but yeah, my dad's probably the one that I look up to the most when I when I do all this. So, what's your like dream rally event to attend? This I, well, it's not an event, but the place I want to compete at the most is probably Sweet Lamb, the BR, the the roads in 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 that complex. I want to give that a go and see how that goes. 
Uh, but Dream Rally event would probably be my home home country, my family's home country event, which, which would be what used to be WRC Poland. That's probably the only WRC event I, I ever got the privilege of, of experiencing. And the roads look awesome, massive jumps, has a dirt complex to it. So it'd be cool to run that event. Um, of course, everyone's favorite is WRC Finland. Maybe one day I'll be I'll be able to do that or, or something similar. Uh, but yeah, for now, the focus is here and we'll see how this season un unfolds, really. Is there any chance we could see your father back in a rally car at some point? One more time. Sorry, I couldn't I didn't it, hear. Is there any chance we could see your father back in a rally car at some point? I'm, I'm trying to convince him to get back in the car just to see that. It'd be, I've always thought that we'd be able to race together, but he's sort of taken a, taken a step back and, and let me sort of take over in, in, in the rally team. But I, I'm trying to convince him. We're rebuilding the Mirage right now for, for actually a filming project that we have in Kentucky which I sort of want to talk about as well. It's, it's really cool. I'm psyched about that. But we'll, we'll see. I, I hope that he gets in for like maybe one more event. He always loved doing Missouri, so maybe next year we can do that uh, as well together or maybe LSPR this year if we get the car done in time. But I'm trying I'm trying to convince him. I'm trying. So, so you talk about the filming project. Um, what's that about? Yeah, so um, ever since I did McCreary Gravel Rally in, in Kentucky, I've sort of fallen in love with their roads. And I'm really trying to push them hard to, to bring another event to the, at least to, to the regional schedule for now, which we actually have planned for September. Um, the roads are gorgeous. I took a look at them from, from some videos that the organi organizer sent me. And then uh, hopefully it becomes a national event. We'll see how they, it unfolds and stuff like that. But uh, Kentucky's doing a really big push to bring more motorsports events to their state. And the nice thing about it is that they want the events there. So, I mean, I fell in love for the moment that I, I competed at those, those uh, roads back in April last year. So I really want everyone to sort of experience and see what I'm talking about with their, their beautiful. If you, if you dream of a rally stage with all the corner characteristics that, that you would ever dream of, uh, Kentucky has it. I mean, they have beautiful linking roads, nice gravel texture to them, it, lots of grip. You know, there's nothing to really be afraid of except for some, some big drops. So, I mean, the roads there are gorgeous and, and the filming thing that we're actually thinking of, I, I don't know how much of I can speak of it because uh, it's so very pre preliminary, but we're working with a, uh, a media group out there. I forget their name. I think, hold on, let me, I have it on my phone. I'll pull it up. They're a great media team. They do a lot of filming for Hollywood and stuff like that. So I'm hoping to make something, something cool with it. Um, the state wants it there or the state's probably going to back it. So it's cool to see that. Um, I think, they're, oh, they're called Wrigley Media Group. They're, they're a great, they're a great team out there. They have awesome potential that they can do. They love doing things like this. So I'm excited to work with them and see how everything unfolds. Uh, but yeah, it's going to include a lot of uh, rally stuff. So, so I'm excited to do that. Anything that that has rally in it, so it really it makes me excited. You know, we'll see how it goes. Um, and then I know in the pre-show as well, you also mentioned that you uh, plan on doing some rallies in Kentucky as well, uh, and you wanted to talk about that as well. Yeah. So in September, we have an event that we're planning. Uh, together with, with some people, especially backers of Appalachia, they're really backing uh, and pushing for the motorsports to come into it. They're actually bringing, bringing a racetrack to a county in, in Kentucky. They're starting development on that, and they're, they're bringing more rally events to the state, which is where I'm, I'm mainly focused in, so I'm excited about that. You know, They're really doing great things for the community as a whole and really uplifting the state of Kentucky, especially after the coal mine shut down there. You know, bringing a rally event to their state means the world to them, really. So any anything that they get, they're they're really appreciative of, appreciative of, you know. And and to me, the one thing that I never understood is the fact that we have all these rallies, and a lot of the times, like in Missouri, where the mishap happened, uh, and we lost a lot of counties, and a lot of people in those those areas don't really like the sport being there. Well, maybe not like them, but I, I don't know what the best way of saying this is, but. You know, what I'm leading to is that the state of Kentucky really wants the sport there and really pushes and gives the resources for it to happen and, and really, really supports it. So I'm, I'm excited to see that, especially, you know, nowadays it's so tough to do everything with the sport. So, you know, I'm excited to see what comes out of it and I'm trying to help them as the, the best I can to see how, how, how great the events can really be. So uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how September goes. We have a regional rally planned for then. So I'm excited to see what the roads, what roads they pick and, and how it really looks. What's an event you would like to see added to the ARA schedule? Uh, to the national calendar? National, regional, anything. 
of course the Kentucky event I wanted to be on a, on on a national event hopefully it's good enough to become that uh what other area would I like um I think I don't know I think the Tennessee event will be pretty nice as well uh I mean it's hard it's hard for me to say there's there's a lot of different areas and different characteristics of different textures and stuff like that I haven't seen enough of them to to say which rally I wanted want to be in in the ara but uh yeah every event that we have right now is awesome so i don't have any complaints um what's been your favorite rally of that you've participated in so far in your career uh a lot of people ask me this and i i can't pick one favorite event but i can give you like a list like of a top three events that i like and on that list it's definitely definitely lspr ojibwe forest rally 100 Acre Wood, and then Oregon. Those are my four favorite rallies right now that I love to compete in. And Maine as well. I, I love all of them. Maine is awesome as well. Every every rally is so different, it's hard to pick one. You know, so you get a com good combination of everything. So all of them are fantastic. But, you know, LSPR is always nice because the season closing and uh, finisher and it's the wrap on the, on the hard work that you've done. And it's absolutely beautiful in the Upper Peninsula. The area is fantastic. Changing colors and leaves with fall coming. Um, Ojibwe has awesome roads as well, like we talked earlier in the preseason or pre-show about uh, about the the lake, the lake one where you go through in between two lakes. That's an awesome stage. You know, every every rally has its own little thing that that makes it awesome. So it's hard to pick one. 